All right, we are back on Couchside Sports. Today is September 15th. It's episode 11, and you might have heard him here in the background there. We have (laughs) co-host. There he is. I'm back. He's back. back, people. Don't worry. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Queens, New York right now, back at grad school. Um, I appreciate the uh, moment of silence that you guys that you gave me uh, in the last episode. I appreciate that, <laughs> but I am back. I'm not dead. Absolutely. Uh, wifey was in town. She was demanding some attention, so I had a little quick hiatus. But yeah, we're back. I'm back. NFL's back. So pretty happy week. So let's dive into some of this stuff, right? Yeah, it's great because the summer is a, a tough time for a sports podcast. Not much going on. We made the best of it, I think, though. Yeah, we did. We did. All right. So as Mike mentioned, we got fantasy football back. We got the NFL back. And that's where we're going to start. A little fantasy football suggestions, a little bit of advice, reactions, uh, you know, stuff of that nature. So what were some uh, surprises and and some guys who disappointed in in week one fantasy wise? Um, So obviously the biggest fantasy surprise has to be the guy who came out. And I think he saw a record, uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, absolutely ran all over the Patriots, had some crazy, had like a 30-yard catch out of the backfield. The man was killing it, three touchdowns. I'm like, I was watching the game, and I see Kareem Hunt come out and fumble on the very first possession. I'm like, this is great. Like, yeah. this is so funny. Like, look at this rookie guy coming in, thinking he's going to, you know, do anything against the pass. And then he just, like, kicked it into overdrive and just killed him. So my biggest fantasy surprise is 100% Kareem Hunt. If you have him on your team, you're looking good right now. He's a running back one, easy. So, yeah, and it's the thing to me that made it so surprising is I don't think a lot of people started him in their leagues, like on their teams, and yeah. he was I think like ten points better than any other player this past week. So, it's rare That's that you crazy. see a guy who's like on the start sit border be the top player. So, uh, oh, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely the biggest surprise I would say. Oh yeah, and like in our in our league. We do half PPR, and I'm I'm facing the sheriff. If you guys can remember who the sheriff is, we had him as a guest on uh, one of the episodes. But yep, yep, I was playing him. I was playing him, and he was talking to me about like lineup advice because you know we're, we're we're friends. We'll help each other out with our lineups. You know we're confident in our team. And he was like, I don't know who to start. I don't know if I should start Hunt Hill or Gillisley. And I gave him my honest opinion. I said you should start Hunt because he's going to get probably get the most run. So yep. he comes out and fumble. I'm like, this is a great decision. I'm so glad that I told him that. Might have screwed him <laughs> over a little bit. Gillisley's got three touchdowns. This is great. And then Cream Hunt just went off. And I was so dis- I was disappointed in the Pats defense mostly. But, I mean, yeah. that's the way it goes. I ended up losing the week. But, I mean, what can you do when Cream Hunt drops 45? Yeah, there's not much you can do in, in those situations. And yeah. uh, another guy who put up big numbers, that was a surprise to me. I'm sure many people started him, uh, but Matt Stafford. Uh, oh, he, yeah. He had a huge day. Um, I'll, I'll figure out what the exact points were. But it, it was crazy, too, because it was similar to the Kareem Hunt situation. He, I believe he threw a pick six on his first drive. Yep. And it was like, oh, no, here we go. Like, you know, the Lions are, are trash again, and they overpaid for their quarterback, whatever. And then he turned it around, and uh, and he really dominated in that game. And uh, mm-hmm. the Lions won by a bunch. So he's a guy that stood out for me. Matt Stafford's like in a weird place amongst like NFL quarterbacks because he has the tools to be dominant and to be a great, great quarterback. Like could be top 10. It's just, yep. 
it's weird. He just makes mistakes in like key times. I mean, he'll throw like picks and stuff like that, but he's still a good option if you have. Him. Yeah, definitely. I I honestly think he's like somewhat similar to Tony Romo, but in a city and on a team that no one really cares about, so he's not as big of a deal. I I would agree with that statement. So, because I mean, he's made it to the playoffs multiple times, can't get a win. He low key has a lot of come from behind wins and like clutch drives, but yeah. uh, you know, I guess it just never completely comes together for yeah. the Lions. But yeah, he had a thirty nine point nine, and that's of course according to our league's rules. All leagues are a little bit different, so. Yeah. But he would be somewhere in that range, and as far as our points go, he was number two to another guy who I easily could have said uh, as a surprise, Alex Smith. Oh yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, I think the whole Chiefs team. I mean, Alex Smith, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, they all went off. Yeah. Um, and then one other guy I just wanted to mention, uh, n- not so much of a, well, he was a little bit of a surprise, but Leonard Fournette for the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. He was drafted pretty high. Like People expected him to do well. But I can't imagine that there were that many owners like really confident in that pick. It was kind of like he's still there. He's projected high. Let's take him and see what happens. So I think it was a huge relief for people to see Leonard Fournette have a big day in his first week in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, I mean, you can be worried about him a little bit. I would be worried about Leonard Fournette, like, towards the end of the season just because, you know, sometimes those rookies hit those walls, and I feel like Leonard Fournette is going to be used a lot in Jacksonville. I feel like Jacksonville is not confident having, like, oh, yeah. to throw the ball. He had 26 so, I mean, rushing attempts. Yeah. So I would be, honestly, I would ride him out while I can, and then once it gets to, like, week 10 or something like that, and, you know, he has that value, I would try to move him just because I'm a little worried about him falling off Like once we get to fantasy playoffs just because of hitting that wall because of that usage rate that he's going to have. Yeah, that's I could see that. But that's yeah. not, not bad advice. I know a lot of rookies do hit that wall. I mean, in college you play significantly less games than in the NFL. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So a couple guys I wanted to mention that were on the flip side of the coin here that were big disappointments. Uh, the biggest one that stood out for me has to be Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought with with Edelman gone, a bunch of new receivers on the team, Amendola gets hurt. I'm thinking, like, Gronkowski should dominate. Like, him yeah. and Brady have the chemistry. They have the history, which Brady had with pretty much no one else on the field, especially in the second half. And I thought he would have, a, I don't know, at least, like, five catches, and he didn't. I mean, he did nothing. I'll pull up uh, the numbers real quick. So he had... Two catches for 33 yards against the Chiefs, which is terrible yeah. for any owner who drafted him in the first. I, th- I thought if you got him in the second round, it was a steal. I thought he yeah. was that good, so he really disappointed for me. Yeah, when you look at it, I mean, Edelman going down, you feel like Gronk's going to have to pick up the slack there, and he just he didn't. He, he had a touchdown catch that, I mean, obviously it wasn't a touchdown because the ball hit the ground, which would have been crazy. That that catch was pretty sick if it was a catch. Oh, yeah. Sick. Yeah, I thought he had um, no chance to grab that. Yeah, but, like, I feel like all all of the uh, the past five receivers pretty much disappointed. I mean, Amendola exceeded expectations. He didn't, you know, I think he had, like, something like six catches, like 100 yards. But Yeah, I mean, pretty much all in even, the first half. Yeah, even B. Cooks. I mean, he did have 88 yards, but it was only on, like, three catches, so. I mean, Brady didn't have that many completions. I feel like he was just a week one, like, Super Bowl hangover. I think the Pats are going to be fine. I don't think there's any reason to uh, really worry there. But 
that is a big disappointment. Like Gronk, you want to you want to see him coming out strong because you know he's like injury prone, so you might not know how long you're going to have him. So you'd like to have him like doing well when you do have him. But yeah, and it was a tough week all around for uh, tight ends. I think as yeah. you're going to get to here. Yeah. So I have my two biggest disappointments are one the tight end Greg Olson. He only had about two catches for 18 yards, which I feel like, you know, he's the number one target over there. I feel like Cam Newton needs to find him more, look for him a little bit more. Uh, but he's, 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 he's very consistent every year. So, you know, it's one of those things where you can't really worry about it. It's just like week one. Teams are still trying to find, you know, their identity, trying to find their certain flow of the game that they like to play in. And, and Cam Newton also is coming back from, I think it was shoulder surgery. So he's still trying to get, like, used to swinging the ball out there. But. He is one of my biggest disappointments. And then I did want to mention one more, and it was uh, uh, Des Bryant. He only had two catches for 43 yards on nine targets. I mean, you can attribute that to somewhat of Eli, but also, you know, Des Bryant's a big name. He should be out there. He should be performing, Dak, especially on the stage against the Giants. I'm assuming you, you were talking about Dak there, not Eli? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's my fault, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to clear that up. I wasn't sure if you were taking a hot take or an aggressive rap. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's my fault. But yeah, yeah, yeah he got uh he got eaten up by that cornerback who was it, Janoris Jenkins or no yeah. that, that, is that it? That doesn't sound right, but that might be it. Um, Jenkins, yeah. yeah, so he, he played really well because Des Bryant, it wasn't a lack of targets, it was a lack of catches, which exactly. is something uh you know, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Because usually you'd rather see the targets, you know, because that's kind of what predicts future performance. He should catch more in the future, but uh, we'll see. He was definitely a disappointment. Uh, so a couple ad drops. I know it's early in the year, but there's two guys who I would definitely suggest people go out and grab up if they're still available on free agency. Uh, the first one, I'm sticking with the Jaguars theme here, Alan Hearns, wide receiver. I think he's the new number one option on that team now that Alan Robinson has gone down uh, what looks like for the whole year with a knee yeah. injury. Yeah, he's done. Torn ACL. Yeah, so so I don't know if Hearns is going to be a, a starter or you know even a, a wide receiver two or a flex option, but I think if you have a spot on your team, it's worth taking a flyer on him and and just seeing what happens. Because two years ago he had a breakout year, huge numbers, and he was a consistent fantasy play. Uh, that was not the case last year and not the case this past weekend. But things could change. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. And uh, one other guy who I'd mention, another wide receiver. I think you might have him on your team, Burke is Adam Thielen. Oh, yeah. Who you picked him up off free agency before, before week one, correct? Yeah, I picked him up uh, off of free agency before the season started. I was uh, looking around, trying to find some depth. I added him on the 2nd, September 2nd. Uh, but I was like really looking around, trying to find some receivers, and I saw the way that he ended last year. And, you know, Sam Bradford's the guy that's going to go out there. He's going to throw the ball. So I was like, you know, I'll take a flyer on this guy. It seems like he's a... He's a big guy to be working in the slot. He's working in the slot now, so he's getting those targets, and I think he's gonna be he's gonna have a nice year with Minnesota. I think. Yeah, I think I think he really can. I mean, nine catches, over a hundred yards. Just watching the game, I mean, Stephon Diggs got the the touchdowns for the Vikings yeah. that game, but I think Thielen's do. I mean, he had multiple, you know, twenty yard catches. So he was clearly, uh, I would say, he was Bradford's favorite target. Even though, like I said, Diggs got the touchdowns and kind of the the glamour and you know, more points for fantasy, but that's heavily weighted on those touchdowns. I think yeah. Thielen looked like the more consistent option and, and the favorite target that Bradford was looking to 
when he was in trouble. So I think that's a, a great ad. 100%. Uh, you have any, any names you want to get out there? So I have a couple of them. I have one who, it's like not really that serious, but you mentioned Alan Hearns, and I would mention his teammate Marquise Lee. Sure. Just because, you know, he's going to move up in the depth chart now too. He's a pretty quick guy. So I think he's a decent like option to take a flyer on if you have a, a spot for him. Also, one guy that I picked up, Kerwin Williams. I'm just I picked him up just because you know David Johnson's out. He's going to be out what like eight weeks, I think, something like that. Yeah, he'll be out a while. So uh, you can uh, you know pick him up, run him out there, see how he does with the Cardinals. Um, he has like a pretty good history, I guess. I was reading that he uh, did pretty well. Just for his career, Williams has reeled off a 5.4 yards per carry and four rushing touchdowns, and that was across 103 carries. So he's going to be getting the the majority of the work over there, is from what I heard. So, you know, I feel like he'd be a a pretty good option. Just take a flyer on him, see what happens, because he could turn into something like a running back, too, for a good solid amount of the season and help you, you know, get that that record. Uh, I did want to mention one other guy, and that was Tariq Cohen. Uh, that guy seems like he is a boss. He's a five-six, shifty little guy. Jordan Howard apparently has like a shoulder injury. Apparently, he's limited in practice for the past couple of days. But they do expect him to like go out there. But that guy Cohen, man, he's shifty. He's 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 quick. So I would say take a flyer on him if you have uh, a spot because he's going to be out there catching passes out the backfield for uh, Mike Lennon over there. Yeah, I think those are two decent uh, decent looks at ads the one thing I would say about Kerwin Williams is we don't know exactly who's going to be getting the touches over there they did just bring in Chris Johnson who's familiar with the the offense and the team and also Andre Ellington is still there they they tried to actually transition him to wide receiver but we'll see if they bring him into the backfield due to David Johnson's injury we'll see week two will tell us a lot about that team and who's going to get the touches yeah I mean I'm just going off the fact that um, head coach Bruce Arians uh, said that Williams is the starting running back for Sunday's contest, and he's going to be against the Colts. So I guess his his actual words were he described Williams as the featured back. Okay. So we'll see what happens there. I feel like he's going to get like you know the first and second down carries. Um, obviously, Andre Ellington's going to be out there being the pass catcher, and I feel like any other carries are uh, like a few extra will go to uh, Chris Johnson. I think he's just a depth piece. I don't think he's really going to go in there and compete for a lot of a lot of rushes. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and then two guys I would quickly say to drop and get off your team, Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. Yeah. You know, as everyone knows, Ezekiel Elliott is back. It looks like he's going to play the whole year. And McFadden and Morris provided pretty much zero this past week. And they're really the only people reason people picked them up and drafted them in the first place was because they thought they might be getting 10, 15, 20 carries a game, uh, you know, in – Ezekiel Elliott's absence. That's not the case. So if you haven't already, get them off your team. And then one mm-hmm. other uh, quick drop is Andy Dalton, who we actually have two weeks uh, <laughs> of work looking at him because they played the Thursday night game and looked just as bad. Maybe, well, maybe not as bad because they scored zero points and he put up negative fantasy points. That's right. A quarterback put up negative 2.3 as far That's as crazy. our league scoring system goes which is absolutely atrocious. Like, you don't even get points off for throwing incompletions. He had to, <laughs> he had to take, like, he had to fumbles, interceptions. Those are the only ways you can get negative points, and he didn't get any of it back in yards. 
Uh, it's it was crazy. Yeah, if you have Andy Dalton on your team, then you better be in like a twelve team deep like two quarterback league because there's no reason Andy Dalton should be on any roster. Well, yeah, not anymore. But I think if you had a sixteen team league, fourteen team league, he might be might have snuck onto a team as a starter. I but. I would never. I would have taken. <laughs> I would have taken Alex Smith over him. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just saying. I know in one of my other leagues, there's a guy who has Mariota and Dalton, and he wasn't sure who was going to be his starter. Uh, that decision. Oh, what? Well, I mean, I think that's. That, I think that's fair. They're pretty even. Obviously, is better. Obviously, the first two weeks, Dalton proved that he's incompetent and uh, the new coming of Brock Osweiler. But we'll see. <laughs> yep. Um, I have one guy that I would say to draft. Um, obviously, it's going to be, unless you have an IR spot, if you have an IR spot, stash him, because I actually have an IR spot, so I picked him up when he was dropped in our league and I stashed him, is Danny Woodhead, because he's, he's injured. So, yeah. I would say, you know, if you if you have the IR spot and you can you can keep you can keep him, hold on to him because when he does come back full strength, you know, you saw what he was doing out there at the beginning of that game. He was like catching all those passes up the backfield in the first quarter. He had like three catches up the backfield already. Um, but I would uh, drop him if you don't have the IR spot. And then honestly, I would drop Andrew Luck too. I have I I just don't believe Andrew Luck is really? going to do anything this season. I feel like he probably wants his way out. I, I can't see him staying with the Colts very much longer, I feel like. Wow. Breaking news. <laughs> Andrew Luck going to L.A. to join LeBron next year? Um, I mean, if Phillip Rivers uh, gets out of there. Because <laughs> I think Jared Goff, I think Jared Goff looks pretty good. I mean, he was playing the Colts, but Jared Goff, I might be wrong. I might. I said it was New City, New Chargers. I feel like it could be New City, New Rams after that first week. I mean, they were playing the Colts, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Colts defense is... I mean, both sides of their offense and defensive line is competing for the worst in football, so <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, do you have... You got any uh, sleeper starts for Week 2, and then we'll move on? Uh, sleeper starts for Week 2, and uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, guy that I said before. In, uh, Who's that? Kerwin, Kerwin Williams. Um, you would go as far to start him? I would, I would, I, I'm, I personally am not starting him just because I have Jordan Howard and I have Legarrette Blunt and I have faith in Legarrette Blunt against Kansas City after what Mike Gillisley did rushing for three touchdowns last uh, Thursday. Um, but I would start Curly Williams if you need him in a flex spot or something like that because we were just talking about the atrocious Colts defense and that's who they're facing. So yeah. I feel like I feel like you could you could peg Curly Williams for at least fifty yards and a touchdown. Wow. Guaranteeing the TD? I'm guaranteeing 50 yards in a touchdown. Wow, all right. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I love the bold claims. And that right there would get you double-digit fantasy points as long as he doesn't have, like, multiple fumbles or something. So yep. that would definitely be a good flex option. Yeah. How about uh, you? What you got for sleeper? Uh, one guy that I'm saying I think should be a start this week is C.J. Anderson. Uh, I have him on my team. He's going up against the Cowboys this week. Just this this past week during his matchup, he had 20 rushing attempts. I thought the the Denver Broncos rushing game attack was going to be a little bit more balanced. Obviously, they have Jamal Charles there as well. But C.J. Anderson got the bulk of the work. Uh, He caught some passes. He had a touchdown that was actually called back. 
And I don't think that Dallas is is that great of a defense. They looked really good against uh, the Giants. But we'll see what they really have in store. And and obviously Trevor Simeon, I don't know if he's a super reliable quarterback option. So Denver's definitely going to want to pound the rock, uh, get the running game going first to set a play-action pass to make things easier for Simeon. Yeah. So I think Anderson, who's a guy, he's kind of on the border of, you know, sit him, start him. I think this week he's a, a for sure start. And I'll go ahead and I'll guarantee a touchdown as well for CJ. Yeah, you might as well. I mean, I actually agree with you. I feel like CJ Anderson is pretty good. Like people are low on him just because of his injury history, but when he's out there and he's healthy, he's proven that he is a he is a reliable option because he can he can catch passes out of the backfield, like you said. You know, he's a big he's a big running back, so I agree with that. Awesome. All right, so uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier when uh, I said you know go ahead and drop Darren McFadden and drop Alfred Morris. They're going to be nothing this season. And the reason for that is because Ezekiel Elliott is back. He was a huge question mark the whole offseason, even through week one. No one knew what the deal was going to be. As of now, I'm not sure if it's 100% definite, but it's, it's looking like 90 95% certain that he's going to play the full season, or as Skip Bayless likes to say, the full 19 games for the Cowboys, including the Super Bowl, <laughs> which I'll go ahead and disagree with right off the bat. I would disagree with that as well. <laughs> but I don't think it's out of the question, so... I think this definitely does have an impact on the Cowboys as a team. It gives them a much better chance to win the division. I'm not sure if it makes a huge difference for difference for the playoffs. Obviously, if if they played poorly while he wasn't there and they couldn't even make the playoffs, you know, then that's a fact. I would maybe bump them above the Giants now. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to stick true to my prediction from uh, a couple episodes ago when I said the Giants would win the division, and they will. Mark my words. Write it down. You heard it here probably like 50 first because – I'm not the first person to say it, but anyway, <laughs> Giants, NFC East champions, but Ezekiel Elliott makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, what's your take on on the whole news and the Ezekiel Elliott situation? Um, I honestly think this looks really bad on the NFL. Uh, after everything that happened with Ray Rice, they were like, "We're going to take this way more seriously. Domestic violence. We're not going to play with this." You know, if you do something along the lines that is considered domestic violence then you're going to face repercussions. And you have this guy, Ezekiel Elliott, who comes out. Not only did he like have this domestic violence against him, but we talked about how he like punched the guy in the bar before as well. Uh, he's just entering his like career, just starting it, and you're going to let this happen, and you're going to let nothing. He's, not, he's pretty much, I don't think he's going to be suspended this year. Well, it, it won't be this year, but th- he's going to serve the games eventually. It looks like it'll be next year. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, the the legal proceedings are being like delayed, and it's so close to the season that the the judge is is kind of saying that they'll visit later when it's not, you know, as pertinent and as much of a factor to the Cowboys and the NFL. So, so they aren't really would, putting it as a priority, but it's it's pretty certain he will serve the games eventually. If I was the NFL, I would push for Elliott to be suspended the last six games of the season. Wow! And I would put it this way as to where, uh. It looks bad for Elliott, you know. If you miss the first four games of the season, like Brady did, or you miss the first six games of the season like they wanted to, you know, your team can still come back from that, you know. But if he misses the last six games of the season, that could really take Dallas out of the playoffs. Yeah, so that's, I feel like that's if clutch you time. Really want, if, yeah, if you really want to make a statement about we don't want domestic violence anymore, make it so he gets suspended at the end of the season and then say, like, all future proceedings like this, 
he'll be suspended at the end of the season, and it's going to be bad for the team. The Dallas Cowboys won't want it, and Ezekiel Elliott won't want it. But, you know, I feel like that's a reasonable punishment for punching a girl. I think that's fair, and I think uh, should we start a, a GoFundMe for Mike Burke, NFL commissioner, <laughs> coming down would, uh, with, with the swift hand of justice? That's what I would do. I, I mean, if you want to get this GoFundMe started, I'd appreciate it. I don't know how I can buy my way to the commissioner's desk with the money, but <laughs> we'll we'll worry about that when we get there. When we get the yeah, funds, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll make a we'll make a goal of of an easy two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That would be pretty easy Ooh. for all our listeners. We got what like. A lot of, we got like a million listeners. So yeah, if each of them contributes one quarter, we should be covered. Exactly. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, just look at all the money that J.J. Watt raised for uh, Houston, Hurricane Harvey. Oh, yeah. I would say that's slightly a better cause than me becoming commissioner. But Oh, certainly. Fun. Certainly. <laughs> but he raised like, I think, over $40 million uh, as of today. Yeah, shout so, out J.J. Watt. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's what exactly, that's a stand-up guy. That's what the NFL needs. They need guys like that giving back to the community. They don't need guys like Ezekiel Elliott running around beating up women. Yep, and taking their shirts off at St. Patty's Day parties. Yeah, but that one, again, there's no complaint <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah, so th- those are some good points. I think for fantasy, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I don't think this makes a big difference. Yeah, I don't think it makes that big of a difference either just because, you know. The playoffs is all that matter. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's pretty easy to make the playoffs in fantasy. I mean, if you went out of your way and got Ezekiel Elliott, I'm going to assume you have a good head on your shoulders and would have made the playoffs anyway. Yeah. So I don't think this is actually that big of a deal. People without Elliott, they're going to be like, they're going to be really upset when, you know, he comes out and drops 20 points on their head in week four when they didn't think they'd have to face him. But yeah, I don't think it's a, a huge factor for fantasy. I think it's a much bigger on-field factor. Uh, than it is for us computer wizards. I, yeah, I agree. And I also want to think about uh, Gary McFadden because I feel like if Elliot was suspended, I feel like McFadden would have performed fine. I feel like a lot of – I'm not going to try to take away from Ezekiel Elliott's talent because he is one of the most talented running backs. I feel like he's top three in the league. But he does have an amazing O-line in Dallas there to help him like create these huge holes that he can punch through. So I feel like McFadden would have performed – Admirably, if he was uh, out. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. He had, I think, really close to a 1,000-yard season two years ago after DeMarco Murray left. So it's possible. I think Ezekiel Elliott, I I think there's a a serious talent gap, and I know that offensive line is really good, but I would kind of counter your point, and I think Elliott makes them possibly look better than they are because when McFadden... Actually, I didn't even see McFadden get any, any rushes against the Giants. But when Alfred Morris was in the game, uh, he did absolutely nothing. Yeah, And, and Zeke Morris, was tearing yeah. him up. So, I don't know. I think I think there is a huge talent gap there. No, there is. I think, there he, is I think McFadden would have been serviceable and maybe like yeah. a flex option. But I think it's, it's a bigger gap than uh, some people think it is. I mean, I understand your point with the ons- offensive line being pretty much unanimously considered the best in the NFL. But at the same time, I do think part of Ezekiel Elliott's uh, skills and talent is being a little disrespected because people are putting too much value on that offensive line. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it could go either way. I mean, I, I, agree, with you. I agree with what you're saying. There is an obvious like talent gap between McFadden and Elliott. But uh, I just feel like, you know, that O-line sets people up to succeed. 
Yeah. And also, real quick, I just want to say, the guy who should be happiest to have Zeke back is Dak Prescott. Oh, 100%. Because if, if they didn't have Zeke, I think it would expose Dak's average ability as a quarterback, maybe even below average. I mean, the running game really supports a lot of what he does. I mean, he makes good throws, but I think if he was thrown to the fire without a running game, people would see a lot more flaws in his game. So he should be counting his blessings that Ezekiel yeah. Elliott is uh, is back on the team and playing the whole season. So I wouldn't go far as say average or below average, but I would say that I agree with you that he would struggle a little bit more just because Zeke totally changes the way the defense has to play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that Cowboys offense. All right, so we'll we'll stop talking NFL for a little bit here, or at least all Ezekiel right. Elliott. So let's get into our favorite segment. Nice. Hopefully, all the all the listeners know what the deal is by now. Breaking news that isn't news. All right. We'll give you guys some headlines that are at, of no surprise to us, to educated sports minds out there. You know the like. Uh, so mine is we actually foreshadowed this. I don't know how many episodes ago, but a few episodes ago. Deshaun Watson got the start for the Houston Texans last night, taking over for Tom Savage. Mm-hmm. No surprise. Tom Savage was never the, the quarterback of the future in Houston. I was actually, I mean, they made the change really fast. Yeah. But I think everyone knew it was coming. It was eventually going to happen. And they won last night. He didn't play great, but it looks like it was the right move. He had a huge uh, touchdown run. A 50-yard touchdown run is something Tom Savage will never come close to you know, putting on his resume. Even if there's no defense, I'm not sure if he's physically capable of of, of running the 50 (laughs) yards. So clearly Deshaun Watson is a better option. Clearly he deserves to start for the Texans. And this was bound to happen eventually, so no surprise. I mean, this is why when we did a prediction show, I was rolled down on the Texans and decided to take the Titans to win this division just because, you know, Tom Savage, it's like um, it's an unfortunate name because if he was a great quarterback, you could be like this guy's a savage and it would be perfect, yeah, yeah. you know. But I had no faith in him, obviously, and we did talk about Deshaun Watson taking over, and Savage was on an incredibly short leash. And you know, you drafted Watson, and you got to run with him. Yep. I mean, the only the best way that like quarterbacks learn the game, especially at the NFL level, is by playing. You know, if you have him on the bench, starting Tom Savage, you're just going to be collecting L's every week. You might as well start your you might as well start your young guy, and, yeah. and see what he can do. Probably yeah, I think playoffs, uh, but. I think Tom Savage might be one of the only guys in the NFL whose name is an actual oxymoron. <laughs> so unfortunate, honestly. Yeah, so clearly not a savage. Uh, yeah. What do you got for breaking news that isn't news? Oh, I got a real hot take here. Um, so as people should know. Every year, ESPN, before the basketball season, they come out with their player rankings. Of course. And breaking news, it isn't news. Number one on the list, LeBron James. Uh, the king. I can't believe it's crazy, you know. This man has been to seven consecutive finals. Uh, A true savage. Test, yeah, the eye test and, and uh, metrics all agree that this guy is still the king of the NBA. He's still the best player in the world. He will be, I think, for a few more years. Don't tell um, Kevin Durant not... that. Oh, Kevin Durant. Oh, man. Okay. Don't get me started on KD again, dude. All right, all right. We still have to send him uh, his workout plan. <laughs> we do, we do. He's got no neck, dude. Kevin Durant's got no neck. <laughs> I don't know where you get that, but I'll let that go. I'm going to tell you, everybody listening right now, 
search Kevin Durant on Google Images, and you'll see that he has no neck. And he also metaphorically has no neck because he wouldn't stick it out in OKC and had to go Ooh. to the Warriors. Ooh, so. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, LeBron James, number one on the ESPN ranking. Really not any news to anyone. So. Yeah, really, really not a shocker there. <laughs> so that that's a nice transition to our next segment, actually, here. Another guy oh. who got completely disrespected by the ESPN NBA ranking, Carmelo Anthony, came in hot at 64th in the NBA. And that I know is, this isn't so based ridiculous. on past performance. It's not based on past performance at all, they say. It's all about who's going to be the best player in 2017-2018 for their respective teams. And this is blasphemous. 64? <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It makes me want to go on a Stephen A. Smith rant. Yeah. But I'll try to control myself. I, I, I can't believe the disrespect. When I saw this list, I looked at the entire list. The first thought that came to my head is, does Andy Benoit work for ESPN as well? Because <laughs> this list is absolutely ridiculous. Like We have written here in front of us, uh, ahead of Carmelo Anthony, they have Lonzo Ball, who, all right, they said it's not based off of past performance. I get that. Lonzo has no past performance. Lonzo has not played a single game in the NBA. Yeah. So it's... how can you put him in front of Carmelo Anthony, who I would say is like one of the best pure scorers in the league? Absolutely. He, he added 23, 23 points per game to the Knicks last year. I think if Lonzo got anywhere close to that, they would be crowning him as king of L.A. over there. Oh, yeah. And they also have guys like Avery Bradley and Malcolm Brogdon in front of him. Or Robert Covington is one of the ones that like stood out to me. Oh. How are you going to say that Robert Covington is better than Carmelo Anthony? And if you want to talk about it's the player's impact on their team, Robert Covington still does not belong above. Carmelo Anthony because no. he's not making the biggest impact on the Sixers when Carmelo Anthony is the New York Knicks minus Chris Dashboard. <laughs> yeah, I would be willing to place money that over half Philadelphia 76ers fans don't know who Robert Covington is. I, I would I, I would take that bet. I would because... be <laughs> I would be very comfortable making that bet. He's like the he's gonna be the he's not gonna start. He's a backup small forward for the Sixers. And he's above Carmelo Anthony. That's so disrespectful. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. And then another one uh, that I was going to point out is Eric Gordon, who's yeah. a, who is a great player and actually probably isn't as uh, you know unwarranted to be ahead of Melo as some other guys like you mentioned, Covington, Brogdon, uh, Lonzo, of course. But the reason that I point him out is he's listed ahead of Melo, and the Rockets would right now make the trade mellow for Gordon straight up like I'm sure of it they've been in trade talks because the Rockets have been trying to acquire mellow and Eric Gordon has not been like an off-the-table name they're willing to trade him for mellow so that means that NBA executives and people running actual franchises value mellow more than Eric Gordon and I just don't know how you make this mistake oh yeah and another guy I wanted to point out is I feel like they absolutely disrespected was they put Kyrie Irving at 25, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And they have point guards, um, Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry above yeah. uh, Kyrie Irving. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I just have, I don't know what they they're basing this off. Too. I don't either. And they have the teammate. They have Gordon Hayward above Kyrie as well. Gordon Hayward's my favorite player, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's better than Kyrie Irving. Yeah, no um, chance. Is he going to make a big impact for the Celtics? Yes, because Hayward can do things like defend better than Kyrie and rebound better than Kyrie. 
but I feel like Kyrie's going to score the heck out of that ball, and I think he's going to be a much, much better passer on the Celtics than he was with the Cavs, just because uh, he didn't play that role with the Cavs. It was more LeBron James was the distributor when he had the ball. So I feel like with Kyrie on the Celtics, he's going to be a better passer. He's got a better supporting cast around him, and it will be his job to score for himself and set up for other people. Yeah. I mean, he's undebated superstar. Yeah. I don't know if these people haven't watched the finals the past two years, if they haven't seen the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, the guy averaged like 30 points per game uh, two years ago in the finals to beat one of the greatest teams of all time, the greatest regular season team of all time, and he's not yeah. even top 25. I It's crazy. There's maybe five guys who would I would have put in uh, Kyrie's position who could have a chance at pulling off what he did. Oh, and yeah. uh, I just don't understand it. But Melo at 64... I think that's even more disrespectful. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that, the guy's like, I'll check, but he's probably a double-digit time all-star. And mm-hmm. I think his, his stats from last year, like I mentioned, the 23 points per game, he averaged six rebounds and three assists. Not great efficiency-wise, but there's just there just simply is not 63 other players who could do that. Yeah, Carmelo is easy, I would say, easily top 20 in the league. I don't know if I would go top 20 because he is – falling out a little bit based on past performance he's top 20 uh looking yeah. forward i'd probably put him i would go top 30 but still that's bumping him up 35 spots from from where from he is where currently he is, yeah. and i mean they must have just done like just picked n- names out of a hat or maybe they did it on purpose so they get a reaction from people <laughs> and uh you know what i just i just solved it they're in cahoots Stephen a smith he's on espn they did this on purpose just so they could have an electric segment and get another Stephen A. rant. Oh, yeah. I That's see it. it. They're, paying, they're paying him millions of dollars. They might as well set him up for uh, some success over there. So. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they it's got crazy. Rudy Gobert at 14. <laughs> yeah. How I is don't... Rudy Gobert at 14? He's not the 14th best player in the league. He's ahead of John Wall. If I'm starting a team today, I'm starting a team yesterday, I'm picking John Wall before Rudy Gobert. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow I'd have to see, but probably leading John. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, and the, the other thing I wanted to mention as far as Melo and the Knicks go is ESPN should be so thankful for Carmelo Anthony because the Knicks are a huge draw in the NBA, and Melo is a huge part of that. And yep. ESPN disrespects and puts him at 64, and I'm sure that the Knicks will be playing primetime every Wednesday and Friday this season on ESPN on their telecast. Oh, yeah, they'll be on there. And I could argue that they don't deserve to be shown on TV because they're just not a good team. (laughs) But if ESPN is going to reap the benefits of the city and the fans and Melo's talent, it's just so unfair for them to disrespect him like this. Yeah, I don't know what New York is doing, honestly. Um, If I'm the GM over there for New York, I would have traded Melo about two years ago. But even now, even if you don't get back like fair market value for Carmelo, maybe you you know you get a little bit finesse. You still got to get rid of him just because right now you're in like limbo. You like you like suck and people understand that, but you don't <laughs> suck enough to get like a great draft pick. Yeah, although they are that. potentially changing the draft lottery system soon. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be uh, pretty different. I saw it was going to be like what like the bottom. Three or could be bottom five. I'll have like a fourteen percent chance to win. 
Yeah, they're gonna make it so it's it's more random, which I personally disagree with. But, yeah, uh, we we can save that for another day, maybe. Right. <laughs> but so I, week, I have a lot in. to say on that matter, so we'll get yeah, there uh, yeah. when the, when the time comes. Yeah, next episode, tune in. We have some hot takes about the NBA uh, draft lottery. The hottest. <laughs> and how I I do not want to see NBA Commissioner Adam Silver at the draft because he looks like a gargoyle. It's just just not good for TV, but like I said, we'll, we'll save, uh, save that for next, next week. Yeah. So we got a couple, uh, a new segment we want to do here. We're going to make a couple NFL picks. We'll be doing this each week throughout the season. We'll try to have these up. You know, we usually try to get the episodes up on Saturdays. So that would work great for this segment. Pretty much what we're going to do is we're going to pick an upset of the week in the NFL. Uh, We'll pick one team who is considered an underdog to go in and beat a favorite. And, you know, we'll keep a tally of, of our record in those picks. And then we'll also pick the primetime games Sunday and Monday night. We're not going to do Thursday night because often we record after the Thursday night game has been played, uh, yeah. as, as evidenced by today. Texans and Bengals played last night, and it was a terrible game to watch. Yeah. Um, but, again, <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll have upset of the week, pick the Sunday night game, pick the Monday night game. And uh, we'll keep a tally of that. I know a bunch of experts, you know, the, the Sunday night crew, Monday night crew, they, they keep their records. So we'll see how we stack up against the pros. All right. Uh, so with that being said, we'll, we'll dive into upset of the week. All right. You got a, a hot take for us today? Yeah, I do. I do. So um, right now Give it I got, to me. I got, the, uh, I got the Vegas odds up in front of me. And right now, uh, Dallas. Is a one and a half point favorite over Denver. And I'm going to say that Denver is going to beat the Cowboys this week. I'm going to say that Dallas is going to go into Denver because it's at Denver, which is huge. And that defense over there in Denver is ridiculous. And I feel like uh, Dak Prescott's really not ready. And Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think he's going to have like a huge, huge game. But I could also see, like your boy, C.J. Anderson having a pretty good game against that Dallas defense. So yeah, my boy. I'm going to go ahead and say that Denver beats Dallas. That's my upset for the week. I think that's a pretty good one. I mean, Dallas looked solid uh, last week for sure, but they they can be vulnerable. And that defense on the Broncos, you know how I love defense. <laughs> they can uh, they can cause tro- problems for any any offense. Oh and yeah. They could definitely shut down. No, I'm not going to say they'll shut down Ezekiel Elliott, but they could do a good job and really affect the game and, and give their offense a chance. So the game I'm going with, I'm taking the abysmal Cleveland Browns Oof. to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Really? I really, I have to, I have to do it. I said it on the <laughs> prediction show that the Browns were going to get some key wins that maybe wouldn't get them into the playoffs, but it's going to hurt some other teams in their divisions, and this is what I'm looking at. They are on the road in Baltimore. It's going to be a tough game, but they went into Pittsburgh. Or no, they were at home last week against Pittsburgh, and it was a, it was a one-possession game. They lost by less than a touchdown, and that's not something anyone, I think, saw coming. The Steelers are an electric offense, and for the Browns to hold them to, I, I believe it was 21 points, is very yeah. impressive for that young defense, and I just think it's a, a change in culture down there. I think Deshaun Kaiser's the real deal. And even though the Ravens whooped up on the Bengals last week, I think they, uh, they're they going to go for a week two slump and take yeah. a, a closely contested L to the Cleveland Browns. 
I could very, I could very well see that happening. Um, I, I like Deshaun Kaiser. I have a question for you about this. Uh, now that Desh, now that Deshaun Watson is uh, the starting quarterback over at the Texans, who do you think has the better chance between the Deshauns? Ooh, between the Deshauns. Between the Deshauns, who has a better chance to be the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL? Wow, uh, that that's a tough question. But coming off the top, I'm actually going to take Kaiser. Okay, I would say Watson. See, I watched the game last night for the Texans, and Watson didn't impress me. He had that one long touchdown run, but yeah. people really overrated that play, I thought. I mean, they watched that happen, and it was right before halftime. And the halftime show, they're like, wow, this guy's the real deal. Like, he's great. But if you look at his first half stats, besides that run, he did nothing. His completion yeah. percentage was like, I think he was, he was like 15 for 26 or 27 in the game. It was nothing special. He barely had 100 yards passing. Obviously, he has the ability to run the ball, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I think he has some room to grow there. Yeah, I think they. I think they both have room to grow. Yeah, definitely. My main, my main point would just be that I feel like because of the Texans' defense, they're going to win more games, and I feel like Kaiser and Watson. I don't think their numbers are going to be too far apart from each other. So I feel like you could look at Watson's going to end up with a better record, and I think that that could play into effect of. Who, who comes away with the award? But yeah. if they take into account the record of the teams, Deshaun Watson will take it because the Texans are making the playoffs. They're going to beat the Titans <laughs> in that division. Uh, the Browns won't, but hey, they're going to get a clutch win this this week at Baltimore and turn some heads. I mean, it could be Kareem Hunt at the end of the day, but between the Deshauns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll move on to a uh, Sunday night game. We got the primetime tip between the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh. A playoff rematch from last year. Yep. This was the match to determine who went to the Super Bowl to play the Patriots. Falcons took the game in commanding fashion, just just destroying them in the first half. It was it was a mess. Uh do you think that Aaron Rodgers can come back for revenge this week? I'm gonna say that uh, the Packers are gonna win this game. And I'm going to base it off of a couple of reasons. Sure. Uh, first, first reason is uh, it's kind of hard to be a team to beat the Packers back to back time. So, first of all, you know the Falcons had a pretty dominating win in the NFC uh, Championship, but I feel like you know beating the Packers in back to back games is a pretty tall task. I'm also going to say that based on the Falcons' performance in Week One and the fact that Mike Glennon was in position to win the game at the end of that game. Yeah, that's not um, a good sign. I don't think it's a, yeah, I don't think it's a really good sign. I think that Green Bay's defense has improved since the last time that they met, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers has something to prove to himself. I feel like, especially with the fact that I, they did beat Seattle last year. I mean, not last year, last week, um, but it wasn't like a huge blowout. It wasn't really that good of a. It wasn't really that well of a played game. So I feel like. Aaron Rodgers is going to come out really with a chip on his shoulder and want to get this win to prove something to himself and the rest of the the Packers team. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I've been flipping back and forth on this pick uh, all day. Yeah, And the reason being is, as you mentioned it, the Falcons looked really bad last week against the Bears, barely got out of Chicago with a win, which in many people's eyes is a top-five team against a bottom-five team, you know, Atlanta versus, versus Chicago. So they should have cleaned that up, you know, in plenty of time. 
it ended up coming down to the wire. So that makes me nervous. The one reason I do think the Falcons are going to be very competitive in this game and could potentially win, even though I am picking the Packers, is it's at home. It makes a huge difference when they're in that dome. They're a different team. You know, last week they were on the road in Chicago. It's not, you know, the the winter days yet where outdoors versus indoors makes a huge difference. But, you know, for a team who practices in indoor facilities, plays indoors, it can't affect them. They're a different team on the turf. Now, obviously, the Packers are probably going to be better uh, in the turf as well, even though that's not their home material that they play on. They play outdoors. Yeah. But that passing attack and the precision of Aaron Rodgers should be should be really well uh, executed in that dome. And they got a commanding win over Seattle, and I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, the Packers beat a really good team last week, and the Falcons barely beat a really bad team. So yeah, uh, I'm going to roll with the Packers. I think this is kind of like an Aaron Rodgers uh, revenge tour this year because of you know how badly they got beat uh, last year. And they did improve the team in multiple areas. And I think the Packers are going to be competing for the number one seed in the NFC, and I'm going to take them to beat the Falcons this Sunday night in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's going to be their it's their first uh, game in the new stadium, right? Mercedes-Benz. Yep, yeah, for Atlanta. So, I mean, that, that could be pretty huge. You know, that could be a storyline for the Falcons to come out and win the first game at their new stadium, but I, I unfortunately think it's going to be a loss for them. And another contributing factor to that is the fact that Chick-fil-A Will yeah. Not be open. Yeah. If if Chick Fil A was open, I'm taking the Falcons all day. Oh yeah. If they ever play at home on a Thursday night, they're they're winning. Uh, <laughs> but the thing sure. is, we're we're never going to see the Falcons on Thursday night, even though we will. It's on the schedule. But my point is, for whatever reason, Thursday night games always suck. You always get <laughs> a team that has no offense. It's like it's like watching a pitcher's duel in baseball. Except, you know, most people like pitcher duels in baseball. In football. It just doesn't work, man. I watched the game last night, and it was a one-possession game the entire time, like three and a half hours of watching football, one-possession game, so I have to watch. Like, every play matters. Yeah. But there was, like, 18 punts. It was disgusting. It was yeah. It was terrible offense, and for some reason, it seems like it happens every Thursday. So. Yeah, and then the first week was uh, a crazy game. I feel like the first week was a cool – that first – Yeah. Uh, it was good, but – I almost don't count that so one, though. I'd be disappointed, yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowl like opener, it's like a different game, so Yeah. But yeah. But uh you wanna talk about um Monday night? So we're both taking the Packers over the Falcons. That we're locking them in? Because I'm locking mine and you locking yours in. I don't know, I'm on the seat over here. I will go ahead and lock it in. All right, lock I'll it in. I'll lock in Green Bay. All right. So we're both locked in with the Packers. So now let's talk a little bit of Monday night football. Who you got for that? That's gonna be Lions versus the Giants. Giants are at home that way this is a tough pick Um, a lot of this is going to rely on if OBJ is healthy for me yeah I mean he's a huge factor on the Giants as as evidenced by last game we didn't like learn anything new about Eli or the rest of the team or Brandon Marshall although they didn't play well I think it was more about OBJ wasn't there and they didn't have a playmaker and so this game really hinges on that yeah. So far, it, it, he's he's still this is questionable, and I think if he plays, they're gonna get this win, and I'm just gonna ride with that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I haven't personally seen OBJ in a training room. I heard that he's leaning towards playing. Yeah, I mean, 
right now it's just it's still not a sure thing, but I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to say he plays. Yeah. I'm going to say the Giants go out there. Big comeback. I need them to get a win because I picked them, and I believe you did as well, to win the NFC East. And it would be tough to see them start 0-2. Yeah. So I'm going to take them against the Lions. Um, you know, but any any other day I might have gone Detroit here. They had a yeah. good season opener. They're really an X factor. I mean, they're they're a different team every year. Matt Stafford up and down, the defense up and down. Who knows who they have a run game each night? So um, they're a little bit inconsistent for me, and so I'm going to roll with the Giants. I think that defense guts it out for them, and they'll get a low scoring, uh, close win, something like twenty to seventeen. 17-14, a game kind of like that. All right. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to oh. say that I'm going to take the Giants. I'm going to take the Giants over the Lions, but I'm also going to say that the Giants would win regardless if Odell Beckham plays or not. Really? I have I have absolutely no faith in the Lions. I think for them going into MetLife Stadium, playing a Giants team that uh, – Came off of a disappointing loss to the Cowboys. They really want. I feel like they also have something to prove. You know, they want to they like get that first home win because, you know, now your main competition is going to have their number one running back for the entire year, so you can't really slouch. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Say, I'm going to go ahead and say there's a lot of pressure, and you know, Eli Manning is a guy that is actually pretty well under pressure. Does pretty well. He's huge Super Bowl performances under pressure. So don't remind I'm me. Go ahead and yeah. <laughs> I hate to talk about it, too, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lock in. I got Giants over Lions. I think it's going to be a close game, too, but I feel like it's going to be a Giants win. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with you. I'd love, if I could, to put an asterisk in there on if OBJ plays, but I'm not going to do that. That's taking the, the, uh, the easy way out, cheap route. So I'll go ahead and lock in the Giants as well. So that means we both have the Giants on Monday night. We both have the Packers on Sunday night. So we'll be starting off with the same record there. Upset of the week. I'm going Browns over Ravens. You're going Broncos over Cowboys. Yep. And those are our NFL picks, and we'll do this segment each week, kind of wrap up the show with it, give you guys a outlook on the future and uh, some things to think about while you're sitting on your couch taking in the NFL action this weekend. Oh, yeah, week two. Week two, I love week two because now is when I feel like teams will start to figure it out because they had all that preseason but they also, like, week one is kind of difficult because, you know, that's the first time you're playing all your starters for the entire game, trying to figure out the flow of the game. I feel like week two, teams have played that first game. You know, they had a little bit of an understanding. So some teams will build on what they did, and some other teams might not show up. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be exciting uh, for sure. So that's going to wrap up Episode 11 for us today. All right. Couchside Sports. Uh, this should be out on September 16th. Hopefully, you guys Hopefully. get it then. If not, you heard it here, September 15th. We recorded this before the game, so if we get them all right, as we will, we didn't <laughs> cheat. We didn't cheat. Exactly. Um, so we'll be back next week. Uh, Mike will probably be coming in on the phone for the next uh, few episodes, as as far as we can tell. Yep. So hopefully, the voice quality isn't too bad. <laughs> I think his voice sounds beautiful over the phone, personally, but. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter, Couchside Sports, with a Z. Z. As always, you know this by now. This has been Couchside Sports, where your two co-hosts give you guys our perspective on sports from the comforts of our living room, just chilling the way sports should be. You know it. 
So this is Kyle French. I'll be signing off. Mike Burke. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, guys.